Amen. It's been good to acquire and a special singing. Amen. Appreciate uh, those good songs. Amen. All right. Y'all ready for some preaching? Amen. All right. Brother Dean McNeese. Amen. From Ringgold, Georgia. Amen. Praise God. You pray for him tonight. Amen. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you, sir. Everybody that loves the Lord, say amen. amen. Matthew 25 will be our text. Matthew and the 25th chapter. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? Matthew 25. I want to read one verse. Lord God, thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the Lord Jesus sent from glory. Thank you for the Holy Ghost sent under the church. Thank you, Lord, for what you did last evening, Lord, in this place. Our Father, Lord God, touch thy servant. And help me, Lord, one more time. Put burnings in my heart. And Lord, loose my tongue. Blinders on my eyes. Lord, that we may see not but Christ. And Him is our chief prize. Lord, we'll love you and thank you for the help we've received tonight. And we'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Matthew 25, verse 6. And at midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meeting. The Lord has put in my heart a message again. A little unusual from my style, if I have a preaching style. I don't often preach topical, hardly at all. I don't mind preaching topical, but the Lord's laid on my heart to look at this matter tonight in the Scriptures on a midnight cry. I'll go ahead and give you my thoughts so you won't be searching throughout the night. I believe we're living in the midnight hour. God's prophetical calendar and His watch. We're living at the midnight hour. And I believe Jesus is coming. I believe He's coming back. I believe He's coming here. I believe He's coming soon. Coming to Jerusalem. One foot on the Mount of I believe He's going to call the church out. Amen. I believe the Lord's coming. And I believe we're in that hour. I believe we're living in the midnight hour. Now here's my thought. I've got me a I've got the Word of God. I've got King James Bible. And I want this generation to know that there's not one jot or one tittle out of place. It's it's the perfect, eternal, all powerful Word of God. And there ain't nothing wrong with it. And nobody's got the originals nowhere. Nobody's ever had the originals all at one time. God's always preserved the Scriptures and gave it to us how He wanted to give it to us. And we've got it. Don't let some egghead, nut, unregenerated professor somewhere come along and tell you that, that this is the closest thing that we got. No, this is the only thing we got. And it's the Word of God. 
And as such, I love the Word of God. And I think if you're saved, you'll love it. You can't help but love it. And so I looked in my Bible to see where I could find the midnight cry. And it helps having computer programs. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Type in midnight and cry. Remember Lester Roloff said years ago, a man that needs a strong concordance ain't been reading his Bible. <laughs> I'm glad he ain't around no more to put me under. He, he wouldn't let me drink coffee either. Amen. Amen. But I found in the Scriptures four places. Now, you may find some. I didn't find any more. Where the midnight hour was mentioned. I'll go ahead and give you all four, and then I'm going to preach accordingly. Accordingly gives me a lot of liberty right there. <laughs> I find it right here in Matthew 25 at midnight a cry was made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. I'm glad at a midnight cry that Jesus is coming. Then I found it in Exodus 12, that night of the Passover. At midnight, there is a great cry throughout the land of Egypt when the firstborn of Egypt had died. And then I found it in Luke in chapter 11, that intercessory prayer. Which of you shall have a friend, and a friend come to him and comes to you and says, I have need. And thank God for a friend with a friend. You go to your friend and ask him to help the other friend that needs your help. I'm glad I got a capital F friend who can help me with all my little F friends. And then I found in Acts 16, Paul and Silas. Locked up in prison at midnight and said they sang and cried praises and they praised God and sang unto God. There's four places I found a midnight cry. Since I'm living in the midnight hour, I might want to know something about the midnight cry. Now these four is what I'm going to deal with. And I let the Lord just take this over. And I never have preached this. You preachers know what's that like. I just, the Lord's going to have to help me. Can I get a witness right there? Of course, he reminded me he'll have to help me with them ones that I do know how to preach to. <laughs> Can I get a witness right there? And there's four midnight cries. The first one right here, Matthew 25, 6. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. I'd like to make a little announcement that the church has been here about 2,000 years and Jesus is fixing to come back and get us. <laughs> believe that. I believe that. There's been much made about the 400-year anniversary of the King James Bible. 400 years ago, 1611, God gave us the King James Bible. Now, I don't want to fuss with anybody. I'm not trying to start a fuss. I don't want to fight with you. I'd rather you take me to Waffle House. <laughs> Buy me some chili and, and hash brown, scattered, smothered, chunked, diced, and peppered, and capped. Can I get a witness right there? Yes, dear neighbor. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die happy. I ain't going to die skinny. We're all going to die. Might as well die fat and happy. You're going to live in America and watch what you eat? I'm going to live in America and look at what I eat. Yes, sir. I ain't trying to fuss with you, but I do believe 
that God gave us the King James Bible for the last day. It's not the best translation for the English speaking people. It's the Word of God for the last days. And any translations put into other languages for, and, and, and I've helped put a Bible together for the Albanian people. I think it ought to come out of the King James Bible is what I believe. Yes, sir. And I believe there, and there's been much made about that 400 year anniversary. I got to study in that little number four, I like Bible numbers. And, uh, Bollinger can sure help you with that. And, and if you can find the old book by Ed Velo. Uh, oh, he's got a wonderful book on Bible numbers, and a couple other men do. But that number 400, uh, and I didn't find this in any book, just found it studying and talking to preachers. That number 400, every time you find that number 400 in the Bible, Israel is under threat of extinction, and a Messiah comes. I need to get a witness in here. Moses, children of Israel have been there in Egypt for 400 years, and God sent Moses, a Messiah, to bring them out. Can I get a witness? And then from Malachi to Matthew, you got 400 years. Back there with Moses, they were under the Egyptian government, and Pharaoh was about to squish them under. And then... There in Matthew, they were under the Roman government. And, and the last revealed word was from Malachi. And then God sent Jesus 400 years later. I need to get a witness in here. You can even go back in my study on Jacob. When Esau came, the very night that God renamed him Israel... The next morning, Esau had 400 men there. They come to kill him. Israel hadn't even been Israel for about 24 hours. Esau brought 400 men to kill him. But an angel come that night. I believe it was the Lord came that night and wrestled with Jacob. Amen. And I believe when Jacob was getting his heart right with God that night, God went over the hill and got Esau's heart right with Jacob. This ain't in the sermon, but I guess it's going to be now. (laughs) If you get your heart right with God today, stuff that's coming from your yesterday, God can deal with. That 400, I like that. That 400. And honey, it had been 400 years. Now, I don't know what all that means, but I'd been getting my little rapture hop ready. <laughs> I used to get jump higher before 30 years of Waffle House, but I, I'm getting my little rapture jump ready. I believe we're living in the midnight hour. And I believe that Jesus is fixing to come. And I really believe He's fixing to come. I've been troubled in my spirit this year in a way I never have. Believing that Jesus could come. I never had thought of it, but I feel like He might come this year. I don't believe in setting dates. No man knows the day of the hour. Somebody say amen. And now you preachers, I'm going to get in trouble talking about this, but you men of God help me. There's an old preacher from down Tennessee. He said, he said, he don't believe the reason nobody knows the day of the hour is not sure God knows. Well, then that makes sense. He said, God 
when he sees it and he's good and ready, he'll turn to Jesus and tell him, go get them. Now, I know the Bible said God's appointed a day, and that was my first thought. God has appointed a day. But I wonder if the Father's sitting there saying, maybe today. Let's give him one more day, son. Maybe And God himself is waiting on the moment that he's going to send his son. Now, I don't know if that's so or not, but it didn't sound wrong. And I got news for you. God does do things like have mercy and wait a little while longer. Oh, I believe we're living in that midnight hour. When I was called to preach, the summer I was called to preach, 1982, filled with the Holy Ghost, introduced to the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God, heart inflamed with the fires from off the hot altar, the summer I was called to preach. Called on a Thursday night and went and mowed my papa's yard on a Saturday. Nobody told him. He's an old-time mountain preacher. Wore them overalls six days a week. Can I get a witness right there? Chewed that pigtail tobacco. Children, don't chew tobacco. Bad for your teeth. He's an old-time mountain preacher. Hacked when he preached. Can I get a witness right there? Every third word went just like that. And sometimes he didn't even know what he was saying. I like it. Papa had so much God on him, he hacked when he gave the announcements. <laughs> this Saturday, we're having a work day. When you can hack in the announcements, you got God on you right there. Glory. He was old timey. I got down to Bible college. I've been waiting all that time to get down there and meet them smart fellas. All them country boys have been telling me how much them school boys knew. And I got down to them schoolboys, and all they did was make fun of them country boys. One of them finally got to making fun of them old overall wearing corn field, mule plowing, old time. Co- he got to making fun of them country preachers, and he got to making fun of them hacking preachers. It crossed a little line with me right there. That was my papa. I grew up with, amen. Big tail tobacco juice getting splattered on my boots. I know how to slap somebody. Can I get a witness? Just enough redneck there to know how to handle a situation. <laughs> I was trying not to be disrespectful. Pretty sure I was. <laughs> and I said to the fella after, I said, look here, you're talking about my papa. And he said, well, them boys are hacking. He said, you can't understand nothing they say. I said, look here, let me say something to you, sir. <laughs> and I'm not a fighter. I'd rather go to Waffle House and order an omelet. But every once in a while, I said, sir, let me tell you something. I didn't understand half of what my papa said when I was growing up, but I understood everything he meant. I said, I've been listening to you for a year. I've heard everything you said and still can't figure out what you mean. Just give me the old time religion. That's good enough for me. I never will forget I was mowing his lawn with a little push mower. Hitting them old roots and them old oak trees. Nobody told him anything. He was a quiet man, didn't say much. He come out of the house standing there looking at me. I cut the mower off. I thought he wanted something. He said, the Lord's called you to preach, hasn't he? I said, yes, sir. 
He said, that's what the Lord told me in sitting in there a while ago watching you mow. <laughs> Woo! He said, come in here and sit down. And I went in there and sat down. I'll never forget. He said, son, if you're going to be a preacher in these hours, you got to know how to operate in the midnight hour. He said, I've preached tent revivals. They had two brothers. They preached. It was Uncle Pud, Uncle Crack, and Uncle Chunk. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's different meanings for those terms today, but that was then. <laughs> Uncle Pud, Uncle Crack, and Uncle Chunk. They'd set up them tents, come out of World War II. He said, I preached in the 40s and I preached in the 50s. He got injured, a big drill bit fell down on him as a well digger. Put him out of commission for the longest. He said, I started trying to preach meetings again in the 70s. And he said, son, it's a midnight hour. He said, back in the 40s and 50s, you'd call a meeting. Twenty area churches would all come. Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, they'd all come. And he said the sinners would come. And he said, and everybody knew who the sinners were. And he said, the sinners knew they were the sinners. Can I get a witness right there? And he said, 12 and 15 and 20 would get saved every night. And said, you'd go a meeting for four and six weeks, and that's how you had meeting. He said, son, but it's a different hour you're living in. He said, and listen close, he said, the drawing power of God's. Easing off the Gentiles and going back to the other side of the world and going back to the Jew. He said, son, the drawing power is on the Jew now. God's bringing them back home. Said he's almost done with his Gentile bride. He said, if you're going to operate in a midnight hour, he said, you need to understand something about midnight. He said, what happens at midnight, son? He said, at midnight, good people go home and get in bed. And bad people go off and get in trouble. He said, it's a midnight hour, son. The good people are asleep. And the bad people are in sin. And he said, there ain't much business down at the house of God. The good people are asleep. And the bad people are in sin. And here's what he told me that I've carried with me. He said, son, he said, you got to remember when you're keeping shop at midnight and there ain't no business. He said, you got to remember you're not in it for the business. You're in it for the boss. He said, you just stay in your place until the master gets here. I got news for you. I'm glad we had what we had last night. I told some of the young people, you live a long time and never see another given service quite like you saw last night. And this may be one of the few remaining camp meetings. I don't know if I could put on one hand the camp meetings that remain where there's a Spirit of God. It's a midnight hour. You understand, when Jonathan Edwards held a meeting like this, there was 20,000. 
without a sound system, without fans of blowing, without electricity, without a quartet singing for us. It's a midnight hour. I'm not a gloom and doom preacher. I believe we can have revival. But I do understand the drawing power of God is eased off the Gentiles and gone back to the Jews. I got news for you. Jesus is coming here in just a minute. I believe He's coming. That's the midnight hour of prophecy. And then in Exodus, you got the midnight hour of Passover. I believe the Bible's put those midnights in there on purpose where we can see what's happening in our hour. It's a midnight hour of a Passover. Brother, that night, it was a night of judgment. The death angel was a passing over. That midnight hour of Passover. Brother, you and I are living in a midnight hour. And honey, I do believe when Jesus comes back, there's a whole lot of judgment coming with Him. He's going to call the church out, honey. And then, brother, there are some things going to begin to take place. You read the book of Revelation, what will begin to unfold on this planet. It's a midnight hour. There's a great cry. No, such as not ever was heard. That night when them firstborn of Egypt were laid out there on their daddy's beds. God had done sent the word at midnight. I'm sending the death angel and said when he passes over. You're to take the blood of a lamb. There's got to be the blood. Ain't but one thing going to save you from the judgment of God. And that's the blood of God's lamb. I've often put myself in the bed of those firstborn sons. What if you'd have been one of them little Israelite boys laying in yonder, back in the bedroom? And you all heard the song somebody wrote a few years ago. Father, would you go check and see if the blood is still there? They were to take the blood of a lamb and strike it over the doorpost and on the sides of the door. And honey, that night when Israel marched out of that land, they were a blood-smeared, blood-covered people. The blood dripped down upon them from over the top. It was running down the sides and they brushed up against it on their sides. It had puddled there at the door from all of the blood being applied and they walked over the blood. There was blood under their feet. There was blood over their head. There was blood on all sides. I got news for you tonight. I still believe that it's still the blood. Thank God I got it over my head. I got it under my feet. I got it on either side. One old preacher said, the blood's over you, saving you from the wrath of God. Said, the blood's under you, saving you from the flames of hell. Said, the blood's all around you, saving you from the devils and the sins of this wicked world. Thank God I'm covered by the blood. Thank God I'm smeared in the blood. Thank God tonight. There's a midnight cry. The wrath of God's nearly filled to the brim of God's cup. And brother, he's fixing to open up them cups and blow them trumpets and open them doors and send them angels. Honey, you better be washed in the blood. I thought about them firstborn sons down in Egypt. They had their magicians. 
They had their wizards. They had their sorcerers. They had their enchanters. And that's all they had. Honey, you better believe one thing. This is a demon-possessed hour we're living in. What would Percy Ray say, honey, if he saw the hour we was living in? What would Lester Olaf say if he seen this? What would Harold Sattler and Bob Jones say? How would Oliver Green preach in this hour if he saw what was happening in this hour? You hear me and hear me well. I'm not a smart ever, but I'm going to tell you something. Honey, when vampires are embraced right in the church body, when twilight is embraced by the young couples in our churches and the young married women in our own independent Baptist churches, when they're all right with vampires. Vampire ain't nothing but a demon-possessed corpse. What do you think the Antichrist is going to be when the man of sin becomes the son of perdition? He'll be a Satan-possessed corpse. The devil's got this generation of young women ready to embrace and fall in love with the Antichrist. When Harry Potter's the number one best-selling book for children, and Twilight's the number one going movie and books for young adults, honey, you better believe we're in a demon-possessed hour. Surrounded by wizards and sorcerers, enchanters, and, and everything Egypt can cook up, trying to find the answer for the next life. I got news for you. <laughs> It's still the blood. It's still the blood. At our Bible camp, we have, I put on a teen camp. God's given me a burden for young people. And I ain't saying that as no cliche or trite. You hear a lot of people say that and wouldn't have a clue how to help a young person. In these days of evangelism, God's given me a burning heart. For the young people. That's why I noticed them last night. God, ever since that little song has hit the church, when He walks among us, all that He does, young people have been flooding the altars ever since that song's hit the church. At our teen camp, Brother Bruce got a phone call. The pastor from South Carolina. He said, I got a little girl here we just got three days ago. She got no parents. Says she's got purple hair and diamond studs in her nose. Says she's a roughin'. Shall I bring her or not? Holy Ghost bumped in my heart a couple of times. I've lived for years out of Romans 5.20 where sin abounded. Grace did much more abound. I said, bring her on. <laughs> I'm about to pop a happy bubble the size of Arkansas. You hear me? I'm having a happy bubble the size of a redneck belt buckle. You hear me? I said, bring her to camp. And what I meant was, bring her to Jesus. The tornadoes come through Ringgold, Georgia, and come through Sand Mountain, 
Chattanooga and blew our camp away. And we had to put up a tent and do a makeshift camp. There was a field out next to our tent. There are three trees. <laughs> that just sounded good. There were three trees in that field. We didn't tell them to. They'd started it three years ago. Every time God get to moving, they'd all go out in the grass and lay in the field. Young people getting a hold of God. Monday night, ten minutes into the first service, here a little girl went running out and boo-hoo and landed under one of them trees. And within 20 minutes, there's 40 young'uns out there laying in a field with God. They didn't slow down all week. <laughs> that little purple hair, diamond-studded girl, devil, girl had some devils. She couldn't look up. Couldn't look at nobody. <laughs> she only made three services. <laughs> Before she run out there and got under a tree. Got gloriously, gloriously born again. I didn't want to embarrass her. I heard another girl that was with her. We learned out later there was suicide, cutting, cutting herself. I'm talking about a demon-possessed hour. She come back in that thing saved. I didn't want to embarrass her. You pastors understand, Brother Perry, we had that good camp. I didn't want to put her on the spot. I knew she didn't know anything about our world. And so I said to everybody that God saved Megan. They all shouted. She's glowing like a lamppost. Most beautiful white teeth smile. I said maybe in the next day or two we'll let her testify. I was going to give her, I didn't want to embarrass her and put her on the spot. Right there and catch her off guard. She didn't know none of us. And I was looking this way. She was sitting over there when I said that. And I was talking about a couple of things and somebody was pulling my jacket. <laughs> you got to understand, she's a real quiet girl. She's real shy. It was her. She'd walked out of the crowd and up there and yank it. Ain't she glad? Don't you enjoy people who don't know how to have church? <laughs> I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I loved that fella last night. I said, I gave 500. Can I have two minutes? <laughs> Brand new Christian. I love that. I'm going to try that next time I'm in a meeting. What would it cost for about 30 seconds? I got a little word here. If that man and his wife's here, God bless you. That was a, you was a blessing last night. She's tugging on me. Turn around and look. That was her. She held her hand out for the microphone. I guess when you get saved, you don't have to be coached or be prepared to give a testimony. She took it in her hand. She said one thing. It's only one thing she said. She said, I've been in a deep, dark hole with no lights in it for a long time. 
She said, but the hand of God reached down in there tonight and pulled me out. Then she handed me my mic back and went back to her seat. (laughs) Honey, I got news for you. It's a midnight hour and Egypt's children are laying out there wondering, can the wizard help me? Can the sorcerer help me? Can the apprentice and the enchanter, can Egypt help me? Honey, I got news for you. The only thing going to help you in this hour is the shed blood of the precious Lamb of God. Teenagers don't need a contemporary service. I ain't yet seen a teenager asking for a rock service at church. That was a bunch of liberal preachers made that up somewhere because they ain't got no power of God in the church trying to figure out how to have church. Let me tell you something, honey. There ain't never been a teenager yet asked for a rock concert at church. They're asking for real help. They don't got a rock concert. It's down there where Egypt's at. They're wanting help. They're wanting help. It's the midnight cry. It's the midnight cry. There's a cry of prophecy going out. There's a cry of a Passover judgment going out. It's a midnight cry. I'm glad with those things in mind, I'm glad there's a midnight cry of prayer. Luke 11. You can read it when you get to the house. Which of you used to have a friend come unto him at midnight and saying, Friend, lend me three loaves. And because you have none, you go to your friend and knock on his door and holler in there with a capital L, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come, and I have nothing to set before him. How many of you pastors feel that in your soul? I feel it so often. I feel like I have nothing to give these people. I have nothing for this revival meeting. I have nothing for this family. I have nothing for this church. Preachers, do you hear me? Do you all ever feel that way? I feel so empty sometimes. I feel so useless sometimes. I see all of hell breaking out in this hour and very little of heaven breaking out. And I don't know what to do for them. I'm glad I got a capital F friend. I can go knock on his door. I can go... Call on Him. That's the little verse where He said, Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. That little word, importunity's in there. Not because of friendship, but because of importunity. Somebody that just won't quit. 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 Somebody won't quit praying. Somebody won't quit asking. Somebody won't quit seeking. Somebody won't quit knocking. Somebody just won't quit. I'm glad for the midnight hour of prayer. Honey, that is an intercessory prayer too. That one friend that was in need didn't know the capital F friend. 
went to the only friend they had. So I need your help. And that friend said, I have nothing except a friend who has everything. Oh, God, give us some intercessor prayer warriors in this hour. Oh, God, give us some intercessory prayer warriors in this hour. Oh, God, give us some intercessory prayer warriors in this hour. Oh, God, give us some intercessory prayer warriors in this hour. Was it D.L. Moody had the two little women that prayed for him? Was it Spurgeon that had men that went in a basement room under his pulpit and prayed for it? God gives somebody a burden for intercession. I mentioned praying high the other night. He died at age 48. His heart actually burst while laying on a wooden floor praying for India. I mentioned Joe Parsons the other night. I got to meet his prayer warrior. I was in Bristol, Tennessee, preaching. Bristol, Virginia. Sitting up there by an old preacher. In his 90s now. He said, you see that little red-headed woman right back there, about 84 years of age? He said, that's Joe Parsons' prayer warrior. Hattie, Sister Hattie Crane. He said, let me tell you her story. She was about 22 years of age. She was the pianist for Brother Joe there in Charlotte, North Carolina. And her husband was killed in a car wreck. I think she had two children. Now, this is going to be too much meat for some of us, but this is what happened. said the Holy Ghost came and made a proposal to her. I'll be your husband if you want me to be. And gave her the scripture out of Timothy that the younger widows, when they've begun to wax wanton against Christ, go off and marry. Now, if that ain't meant for you, don't you worry about it. But the Holy Ghost spoke to her. She told the preacher, the Lord's called me just to pray for you as you go across America. You better believe I went and found her after the service. They were having coffee in the, don't tell Lester Roloff, in the fellowship hall. They were having coffee. I sat down next to her. I tried to be very respectful, keep my boundaries, not be offensive to an elderly lady. But I was wanting to dig a little bit and find out some stuff. I said, Sister Hattie, Sister Crane, they tell me you're a great Christian. She slapped my hand. I was in trouble already. I've been in trouble my whole blessed life. You hear me? Can't do nothing right. <laughs> she said, there are no great Christians. 
She said, there's only a great Christ in us. She said, I'm not a great Christian son, but there's a great Christ in me. They told me that every morning before she leaves the bedroom, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock, said the Lord won't let her out of her room till she's prayed. She began to talk with me a little bit about it, and here's what she said. She said, Old Brother Joe taught us how to pray. Said, really, she said, he taught us just to arise early and wait on the Lord. Said, Brother Joe told us there's a little lamb in every child of God crying, Abba, Father. Said, if she'll just sit up, get up in the morning on purpose and wait on him, in a little while that little lamb began to bleat. Bye. Bye. Said, and every time that little lamb begins to cry, the good shepherd always comes. And she said, Brother Joe told us, you don't pray about what's on your mind, that's rude. You wait till the king comes in the room and you talk about whatever is on his mind. She said, all your prayers get answered when you pray his prayers. I'm glad that somebody prayed for me. They used to sing this old song in Tennessee. I'm not a singer, and nobody ever asked, but neither of those things have ever stopped me. And I don't even know the words, and that don't stop me. Bless my britches, I feel like singing. I'm going to sing. God's called me to go to church with y'all every night. You're going to hear me sing. Can't sing at Walmart. They want nobody to slow down. I got to sing when I got y'all in one spot. Listen, and I ain't heard it since I was a boy. I don't even know if anybody sings it anymore. And I don't even know how deep the song is, but I like it. Somebody prayed for me. They had me on their mind. They sacrificed their time and prayed for me. I'm so glad that... (laughs) I like my singing too. I'm so glad that someone prayed for me. Somebody prayed for me. They had me on their mind. They sacrificed their time and prayed for me. That's a good little... I'm so glad that someone prayed for me. Somebody prayed for me. They had me on their mind. They sacrificed their time and prayed for me. I'm so glad that someone prayed for me. Somebody, I'm going to sing it till I'm through. Somebody prayed for me. They had me on their mind. They sacrificed their time and prayed for me. I'm so glad that someone prayed for me. Somebody prayed for me. They had me on their mind. Every time I used to hear that, I'd get a little happy bubbles, get the ricocheting off of each other, and I'd end up shouting. Thank God for intercessory prayer. Can I, can I give you the last one? And I'm just trying to preach right out of the Bible. I only found the midnight cry four times. Matthew 25 is the midnight cry of prophecy. 
Acts is where I'm going next. I'm going to see him. At... Oh, yeah. Man, y'all got plenty of time left. I got a little stopwatch running under the pulpit to know if you're mad at me, why. And the Exodus is the midnight cry of Passover. Luke's the midnight cry of prayer. I found one more in the Scriptures. And that's Acts 16, verse 25. And Paul and Silas got locked up for preaching the gospel. Can I get a witness right there? And it said, in at midnight... They sang praises. They sang and praised God. And it said, and the prisoners heard them. And the next verse, and I'm almost quoting it this right, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. I call this the midnight cry of praise. I'm glad in the midnight hour we can praise God. Can sing! And praise God! And He can send an earthquake. What about that earthquake? Was that Monday or Tuesday? Tuesday? What about that earthquake up there in D.C.? Let's going to stop making little announcements. You don't turn your back on Israel like we have this year. You don't side with the Muslims and oppose Israel. America's in uncharted waters. These are unprecedented times. And historically, nationally, and spiritually, we've launched into it, and you ain't coming back. Egypt firing rockets over in there as we speak. First time in 20 years been that many rockets fired in Israel. Honey, we're there. I'm glad the church can sing and praise God. I don't care how bad it is. We can sing and praise God. And His power still works in this hour. He can rock your world. He can shake your prison bars loose. At midnight, in their chains, they praised God. Job knew something about them awful midnight hours. Did Job not say, God give, who giveth songs in the night season? I'm going to say this and I'll be done. That's my first warning. I found something in the book of Job. You talk about a man, heavy trials, broken heart. Wife devastated, children buried, health gone. You talk about a midnight hour. And brother, he sat down there in the ashes and he said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm talking about in a midnight hour when you're crying. You can praise God. Preachers, saints, I found something in the book of Job, studying a couple years ago. Studying behind the scientist. Somebody help me remember his name. Morris. Who's the great? Henry Morris, the scientist preacher. 
Dr. Henry Morse. Writing a, he wrote a book called The Remarkable Record of Job. And he was interested in it for the scientific data. In it because Job's the most ancient of all literature. There's no literature in the world that dates further back than the book of Job. Dr. Henry Morris pointed this out. And I've been popping happy bubbles ever since. The name for God, the Almighty, with a capital A. The Almighty. Are y'all with me? God's name, the Almighty, is in the book of Job more than all the other 65 books of the Bible put together. I'm giving you a minute to chew on that. I expect you to pop a happy bubble in a minute. If you don't pop it good enough, I'm going to fire the whole outfit of you. Bring me a soul choir tomorrow night. You chewing on Let me run that by again. God, who wrote that Bible just like He wanted it. You will find the Almighty. <laughs> In one place, more than all the other books of the Bible put together. The Almighty's in the book of Job more than the whole rest of the Bible. You can't even hardly find it anywhere else. It's in Revelation a little bit. But it's just slammed full in the book of Job. Huh, that don't make sense. If I was God's, a good thing we ain't, we wouldn't know what to do with none of this. If I was God and I wanted to show my might, all my might, I'd have done it in Genesis. Look at me, creating stars and naming every one of them. Throwing galaxies out there, each galaxy containing trillions of trillions of stars. Over 200 billion galaxies that the Hubble telescope is seeing. Our galaxy, the Milky Way, which is why we have a problem with obesity. We live in a blessed candy bar. <laughs> Y'all might as well quit fighting it. Just quit fighting it. We live in a Milky Way. Which is one of your more frustrating candy bars. There ain't nothing in it but goo. But it is what it is. I like those, uh, what you may call it. <laughs> I love it. Leave me alone. Our galaxy by itself, scientists say if you was to try to get out of the Milky Way galaxy, traveling at the speed of light, 186,000 miles a second, 186,000 miles a second. The planet ain't no more than 20,000 or 22,000 miles around. You go around at the speed of light eight, nine times in one second. To get out of our galaxy, it'll take you over 100 million years traveling at 186,000 miles a second just to get out of our galaxy and all of its stars. And the Hubble telescope, just the telescope, 
has spotted over 200 billion other galaxies. And God, Isaiah said, He holds the span of the universe in the small part of the palm of His hand. <laughs> but He says, that's not where I'm going to sit. That's not where I'm going to show you all my might. If I was God and I didn't put it in Genesis, I'd have went to Revelation. When stars are falling in the ocean, kings are running to the rocks, and the heavens open up like a scroll, I'd have said, here's all my might. Maybe I'd have put it in the Gospels. Jesus performing miracles. Blind are seeing, dead men getting up out of their grave, Jesus walking on the water. There's all my might, but no. If you're going to find where God... <laughs> I'm firing all of you. I'm just going to enjoy this by myself. I tried them two old men. They look like they could have a good church out there. God said, if you want to see where I put my almighty... Come here. Look in this room. Open this door. It's not creation. It's not second coming. It's not the Christ of the Gospels. He pulls open that little door and you look in there and God said, there's where you find my all might. And you look in there and what do you see? And you see one of his best servants laying on the ground. And the devil beating, beating the very life out of him. You look in there and you see ten kids buried and a wife that's lost her mind. And the servant laying on the ground said, I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing. And I ain't sure what's wrong with me and why he do this to me. And God don't tell him nothing, but he tells me and you. That's where you find. <laughs> I'm in there with him and her. <laughs> Didn't Paul say it's in my weakness that his strength? <laughs> I wanted to be back in creation. I wanted to be at the country. I like miracles. Give me a miracle. But God says, if you want to know something about my strength and my power and my might, come to this room, come in this door. I'm in here with the broken. I'm in here with the afflicted. I'm in here with the devastated. I'm in here with the ones that everybody else says they must be in sin, must be under judgment. It's over with. That's where God is almighty. That's where He's Almighty. And I'm glad in a midnight hour, God can show His might. I was nervous about trying to preach a topical sermon. I said, Lord, there's all them preachers and all them people, that great camp meeting, and I ain't never preached this. And He asked me... Well, before the service, have you ever had any good ideas that worked? <laughs> I, uh, 
He said, those things go better when you obey me. <laughs> he said, get in there and preach what I said. I said, okay. And I told him, I don't like it. <laughs> he said, I'm going to smack you. That's how me and the Lord. <laughs> he calls me ugly names and treats me bad. Yo-yo. I'm so glad you and I are living in a midnight hour. But I'm glad there's a cry. There's a cry of prophecy. Jesus is coming. There's a cry of Passover. There's a lamb down here. You can come get in the blood. You'll be all right when the Jericho walls are falling down. That scarlet cord will be hanging out. You and yours will be all right. I'm glad there's a midnight cry of prayer. I'm glad we can get on our face in this midnight hour. And I'm glad when all the hell's turned loose on you, that God's standing there being strong. When you're laying on the ground, and the God give the devil permission to stomp all over you, the Almighty's standing there. I'll fix this when I'm ready. I'll turn this around when I'm ready. I'm here. You know what's amazing? He don't do anything in them 42 chapters. He don't do anything almighty. He's just standing there and and being almighty. (laughs) He's just there. He's just there. And when chapter 42 comes, he does what he wants to then. He'll silence the enemy. He'll turn it all around. And he'll be able to give you a double portion. I hope that helps you through your midnight hour. I hope that helps you through your midnight hour. I want you all to stand. I want our musicians to come.